Uh, good evening. Take the hymn if you would. Turn to hymn number 489. 489. We, we've had something today we haven't seen in a whole lot in a long time, and that's called sunshine. We're going to sing about that right now. Heavenly sunlight.
So uh, other than, you know, hotel Bibles, I didn't really have much interaction with the Guineans International until uh, I was deployed. And uh, we picked up, uh, you know, some uh, little Gideon testaments uh, that, you know, had some little cool camouflage cover on them at the USO, uh, right? And, and most of us carried around uh, these New Testaments with us, right, in our, our uh, left breast pocket because it was one closest to our heart. When I was on deployment, I actually carried one of those little testaments around with me too, and I have the very one I carried with me my entire time in Iraq. It's a little worn, cover's a little faded out, a little folded over, but uh, this is the one I carried with me my entire deployment in Iraq. And, uh, and, and being a Gideon, I actually had the, the great privilege of actually giving out some of these testaments to our, to our young soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marine on station over there. Uh, the first time I really had an opportunity to see the impact of the Gideon ministry is uh, when I was in Barlikaleng, uh, uh, Kunar province, Afghanistan. Our convoy was uh, going down the road. Somebody fired an RPG at our truck. And as this rocket was flying toward us, I just called the name Jesus. You know, uh, I didn't know anything else to do. And so this rocket that was that was coming toward us, I don't, I don't know to this day if it you know, if, the, if it hit a tree branch or whatever, but this rocket that was heading right toward us suddenly was deflected and it went over our head. And the Afghan interpreter that was in the truck, he looked at me and he says, well, who's, who's this Jesus that you just called on? And, and I said, I'm glad you asked. And uh, I had a chance to pull out this New Testament that was given to me uh, and share with him who Jesus was. And when I shared that with him, this same Afghan soldier started reading this New Testament. And before I know it, dozens of Afghan soldiers every single night would, would sit around the guard tower while he was reading God's word to them and translating it to them in their language. One of the great ministries of the Gideons is not only do they give the scriptures to the U.S. soldiers, they also give them to other country soldiers. So 
that there, even Afghanistan, they're receiving the Bible there in their heart language from our Gideons. So that's a, uh, we, we, we might forget about our U.S. military, but that is something that we certainly want to uh, make sure they are receiving ministry care and they're receiving the Scripture so that when they go overseas, they uh, obviously have God's Word with that. Open your Bibles, book of Luke, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44. We are on a Sunday night sermon series going through the Gospel of Luke. Luke here is my favorite book of the Bible. I guess that's why I'm preaching through it, because I like it. So um, it's uh, one to me that I think it shows a very precision detail. Luke was a physician, so he wrote a little bit different angle than some of the other gospel accounts. And what we see here, we're going to come up to what we call really the ministry of deliverance. We don't hear about like this. I believe about three or four months ago in our Wednesday night study, we studied what it means to uh, the demonic and what it means to um, encounter the demonic. And that's what we're going to be looking at, a couple of examples of Jesus running into that. In fact, he goes to church here and he's going to run into a demon. So we're certainly going to see what God's Word says about that. Let me tell you the next uh, couple of Sundays here. Uh, this coming uh, one week from today, we will have Dr. Bob Willett preach the morning service, and we will have Zach Bauer, our youth pastor, minister of students, he will be preaching the evening worship service, so he will be here next Wednesday, or next uh, Sunday evening. So that two weeks from today is Youth Sunday. The teenagers have, um, that whole weekend is D-Now weekend. They're going to be staying at folks' homes on um, Friday and Saturday night, and they'll be coming to church, and Zach's invited... Uh, I know at least one other church is going to be joining us. They're going to be coming here too. So we, he's got um, a guy named the Ben Noble, and it's the Ben Noble Band. They're going to be playing. Um, they'll, they'll be leading worship that morning. And he has a youth evangelist named Josh McClendon, I believe. But he's coming, and he's going to be, our, he's going to be the speaker at the, among all the teenagers, and he'll also be preaching that morning. And we have a student baptism that will be occurring. So it'll be a really special service on two weeks. So make sure you bring your, your teenagers and your grandkids. I know they will get a great blessing out to see the teenagers lead the worship service and um, see it really uh, geared and revolve around, around them and their leadership with that. Zach's doing an outstanding job. We're very blessed to have him here on our church staff. You know, he came in and really just has really branded and has been building our youth group. We, um, I believe it was two Sundays ago, we went down to the, uh, we had church up here, but over there, during that was a Super Bowl Sunday, afterwards they were serving wings and food, so after church, I thought, why am I here when I need to be going over there? So I went down there and with Danny and a couple other guys who were hungry, and we walked in, and God, there was, I think Zach said he had 19 teenagers and some little kids who he didn't count in that, so it was a great group of teenagers and, you know, it's amazing, uh, none of them were watching the Super Bowl. So they were, they were all playing games, having a good game, and just the Super Bowl is going on in the background, and only the older folks were actually sitting there watching that. So we're very blessed. Uh, ministry to that uh, teenagers is a must. It's something that it's not optional. It's something we as a church, we have to be intentional in doing it. And supporting um, our student ministry is about D-Now Weekend and inviting folks you know that that's how you do it just get word out do whatever you can and say hey i was blessed to be in a church 
that had a strong student ministry, and certainly we will have that same blessing to the teenagers here in our community as well as our church. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. I'm going to read this in two different sections here because one here is going to start out with Jesus going to church and he meets a demon. And the second one here, he's going to go into a city, uh, an area that he actually spent a lot of time in called Capernaum, and he's going to go there healing people as well as he's going to heal Simon Peter's mother-in-law, Peter's um, uh, mother-in-law, so his wife's mother, and she was healed, and she started serving them. And then also, while he's doing ministry there, he continued driving out demons. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, we see so much emphasis on what we call deliverance ministry. A deliverance ministry is ministry from the demonic. The problem with us, and you, know, you don't hear folks preach on this anymore, and the reason why, they're scared to death. Because what happens if you go around talking about demons in deliverance ministry, people tag you and label you a Pentecostal. And that's unfortunate. And that is just a fact of what happens. Uh, it's not discussed, but one of the great powers and strengths of the gospel is it overcomes uh, the demonic. And Jesus is able to expose, he can see through many of the problems we have. You know, this past Wednesday, and we had Wednesday night um, a Bible study up here. But just a few hours before that, because Wednesday, I didn't really know the extent of the details. There was a school shooting there in Parkland, Florida. But that, you remember, if you all remember, if you all were here Wednesday night, that had just occurred, and I didn't, we didn't really know much about it. But what happened, if you remember, the first thing people start saying, and obviously we're not, we're, not, we're not physicians here to diagnose people, but we do know there is demonic forces out there. And if you turned on the news and you read about what happened a day or so after the shooting, people will start saying, well, his mental health issues, it was um, psychological problems. Now, that could be true, but could it be? Is there a possibility that it was even more than that? And it gets into what we see here. Because Jesus encountered and delivered people who were demonic. And here's what the demonic is. I want to define what... When I talk about the demonic, actually, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Keep your finger back there in Luke. We haven't even read anything in Luke. We're already turning away from it. Because I want you all to understand, when we use the word demonic, I think what happens, church, is we start having this picture of a devil with horns going around who's going to... Uh, satanic worshipers. I don't think that's... That's maybe what the devil wants you to think that he is, but this is what de uh, someone who is demon-possessed looks like. Ephesians 4.27 It says here, I want to start, um, start in verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. <clears throat> this is what we call uh, righteous anger. This is the example. Jesus got angry one time in the Scriptures. And this is when He did it. He showed up at the temple, and He wanted to worship the Lord, and they were selling and ripping people off. It had turned into a den of robbers. And it, the Bible actually uses the word anger. He was angry that His Father's house had become a place where people were being scammed and they were not hearing taught the Word of God. So he ran around and started flipping, you, you all know the story, money changers, uh, th th money, throwing the tables over, making a big mess. 
and he proclaimed to them that this is my father's house. You've made it into a den of robbers. And he, it was a form of what we would call righteous anger. He wasn't angry. He wasn't sinning when he did that. He was angry at the sin. If worship was being robbed from his father, that made him mad. He came to church and people weren't worshiping his dad. They were robbing his dad of worship. And that's what he got. He wasn't angry at a person. He was angled at the whole experience of worship here in my house. It's being robbed. We're going to get rid of all this stuff. So it wasn't, that's very important because Jesus never sinned. So that's how he was able to, and that's what we see here. Be angry and do not sin. Now, for most of us, we are not Jesus. 99.5% of our anger would not be in the category of righteous anger. We're mad at Sherry, we're mad at Gene, somebody said something mean, or you got stood up on a date, whatever happened, and you're, you're mad. You just, you're broke, you, somebody ripped you off, I mean, just, you're mad at someone. You know, we don't, do you ever walk into a worship service, and man, the, the Lord's being robbed of worship here. I'm mad about that. Do, you, do y'all see the difference we're talking about? That's the, what we see here when we're talking about be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know, this ties in so much with this mo- uh, morning. That, that means if, you're, if you do get angry at someone, you need to take care of that problem immediately. Do you know problems never fix themselves? Silence doesn't bring people together. It b- drives them apart. So if you're angry with someone, if someone has hurt you, Jesus is saying here, or Paul here in Ephesians 4.26 said, Brother, you need to, before the sun set, you go find them and say, hey, Brother, we need to talk. I'm sorry. I, I sinned. This was a mistake. There was a misunderstanding. I didn't, we missed, there was something, something wrong happened and we need to make it right and extend a hand of friendship and forgiveness. That's what the gospel here is saying. Now, look at this right here. So understand what happened here. We're talking about anger. We're talking about, if you are angry, don't let the sun go down. And then in verse 27, this is what demonic possession consists of. And don't give the devil an opportunity. If you have the NIV, it says a a foothold. A foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. Because if you're angry, if you've allowed sin into your life, or possibly the sin of unforgiveness into your life, you have cracked the door open to the devil. And he's got you. Men, this is pornography. This is alcohol. This is where you say, you know, I'm only going to miss one Sunday. And one Sunday from church turns into five Sundays. It's very easy to slip out the back door of a church. Very easy. It's very easy to think, I'll be able to handle it. And you can't handle it. And next thing you know, it becomes a problem. That demonic possession, the demonic into your life, is when you give the devil a foothold or an opportunity into your life. So what happens here for us, and what we're about to see, Someone who, someone who 
say they're out there committing adultery or they're committing the sin of fornication or they're having sexual sin, it didn't start there. It started in the privacy of their home alone on the computer. Very subtle. And then that's where the foothold began and it grew. That's what happens. A school shooter, he doesn't just wake up one day and say, I want to start shooting people. Not at all. It started with, all of a sudden, he had anger. He had all of a sudden, uh, maybe a hatred towards people. He was deceived. And the next thing he says, I'm going to take action on this. Human life has no value. And that's, that's the steps that the devil leads people down to all of a sudden they've allowed a foothold into their life. And that's why we as believers, we constantly, this is what sanctification is, you're constantly examining your heart, you're examining your life saying, God, is there any areas of my life that I've allowed demonic and evil forces into? And I'll tell you, you, you need to go to Lord and say, Lord, you comb my life. Look at this. Is it, and I'm telling you, for a believer, so, you know, Sunday night crowd, that means some of us are more mature on Friday. I'm going to tell you, for us, you might not be looking at pornography or committing adultery, but you might have a bad attitude. And the Lord knows it. You might be harboring unforgiveness. Or you refuse to forget and to forgive. And that the Lord and the devil allows this to come in. To, the devil allow this to come to your get that foothold and it will destroy you. So we see when we talk here about the demonic, we're seeing anytime you give the uh, devil an opportunity in your life, if he's if he's speaking in your life, you are having demonic influence. All right, back to Luke chapter four, verse thirty-one. They went down to Capernaum, and town in Galilee. He was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teachings because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit. Did y'all catch that right there? <clears throat> we aren't in the common area. We aren't in the bar. We're at the synagogue. We're at church. This is the only time we see in the Bible that we go to church and there's a demon-possessed man at church. Now listen, if there's a demon-possessed man with a demonic spirit at church at Jesus' times, surely today there are people in our churches that have a demon-possessed, a de demonic influence in life. Listen, there's a reason God included this story in the Bible. And the reason why is because if it existed 2,000 years ago, it exists today. Not everyone who walks through these doors here are born-again believers. We can't just assume Everyone loves the Lord and has a relationship with Him. We can't just believe, well, you know, they're, he they're, here in the be they're here in the building. They're here in the sanctuary. You know, old brother John, he must be saved. Guys, I, I baptized someone not too long ago. And he was in his 60s. He was an ordained deacon. He had been a deacon for decades. What happened? We had a revivalist preacher come to the church and just laid it out there. And said, guys, some of men, it was really a men's revival, a bunch of men got saved. And what happened was, he challenged the, their faith. And basically, guys, if you aren't men, if you, he said, if you weren't witnessing, if you have no 
daily personal relationship, prayer life, Bible study with the Word, if you have no desire for, for the events, the kingdom, brother, are you saved? And this one guy said, that's, that's not me. He's just going. He even said his testimony. He gave a testimony. He said, I'm just going through the motions. And I'm not saying the man was demon-possessed, but he was not filled with the Holy Spirit. He confessed that. He gave his life to the Lord. And that's what we see here. Where Jesus shows up at church, there is a demon, there is an unclean, demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice. Verse 34, leave us alone. That probably means there could be more than one demon in that. Jesus met a demon, a possessed man whose name Legion, because there was many demons in him. Now, that also that interpretation, when it says leave us alone, could also mean the demon was talking about himself and the man. So you, we, we don't know, only, only the Lord knows that, but he used the plural there, leave us alone, meaning this demon said, this man here I own, he's my man, so me as the demon, me as the man here, just go away, Jesus. So I've got it under control. And then look what he says here. What do you want? And this is what's powerful about Jesus. You know, demon-possessed people, people who are under the influence of the demonic, they also know the power of the gospel. Because look what happens here. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Do you know what's amazing about this story? Jesus shows up at this church here, this synagogue. And many of those folks there at Capernaum were just going through the motions that Saturday, having another worship service, not realizing that God Himself had joined their service. And the one person who recognized Jesus as God in the Messiah demon-possessed man. He was the most fearful. Oh, goodness, look who's come in the door now. We've, I'm ruined. I can't believe it. Of all the people walking through this door, God came in. If there was one person that demon did not want to see come in that door, it was Jesus. And he's the one who came in. Yet no one else recognized him. It says they were, and notice the difference. It says here, these people were impressed, says they were astonished with his teachings. Because he taught with authority. Do you know the demon? Did, he wasn't astonished with the teachings. You know what he was astonished at? That's the Messiah. That's just not a good teacher right there. That's the Lord. Don't miss the difference here. What do you love most about Jesus? His teachings? Or that he's the Lord? The demon recognized he's God. Of course he's going to have some good teachings. He's, he's the author of everything. He can teach you whatever you want to know. And the people were impressed with the teachings. Church, that's today. That's, that's, that's cultural Christianity today. You can make a, you, churches can have a great, smooth, good-looking message. It can be entertainment show. You have the lights, the bells, the whistles. And we'll probably have that on Youth Sunday. It could be six flags over Jesus. And that's what the folks were impressed about with Jesus here. The teachings. 
He looked good. He spoke with authority. But the demon said, this is one. I'm doomed. He's, he's going to destroy me because this man, this demon-possessed man, had authority and influence in that church, in that synagogue. That was the problem. Worship was being robbed by one man. Let me say that again. This is what a demon-possessed person does. Or I hate using that word demon. Here's what a person who's under demonic influence in a church. One person can rob everyone else of God's glory. I mean, it might be somebody with a bad attitude. might be somebody stirring up trouble. A gossip. Whatever it would be. It can ruin a church. One person. And Jesus showed up at this synagogue and found the one person. That one person recognized him too. Verse 25, 35. Jesus rebuked him and said, Be silent and come out of him. What's powerful about this is Jesus is speaking to the demon. You know why he told him to be silent? Because the demon knew who he was. And remember, Jesus had just started his ministry at this point. He's the Messiah. He's got three more years. He's got to go to a cross and die on it and more, more, give out some more teachings and healings and uh, set, do more deliverance ministry here. So the demon's revealing. He's saying, my goodness, this is the Son of God. Here he is. He's starting to reveal. Who, so he silenced the demon. Notice the power of Jesus' words. Be silent. Demon, hush. Come out of him. He didn't lay hands on him. The mouth of Jesus Christ speaks, and the demons must obey. There's no option. Do you see the power in Jesus' words? This is why you need to know the Gospel of Luke. Because Jesus' words is God's word. If the, the demons have to obey, they fall under His authority. Now listen, Broadway, if the demons obey the Lord, surely you should obey the Lord. Surely I should fall under His obedience. If the Lord speaks to me this way, I'm going to obey Him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Now look at this. Amazement came over them all. And they were saying to one another, now don't, don't miss this. Now remember, the crowd's watching the show. What is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power. And they come out. They're still focusing on the message. They've missed who the man is. The message isn't what... You've got the demons to come out. Is the man. The man behind the message was God speaking. Jesus was God who came to that church, who showed up that morning. And it wasn't His words that were so powerful. It was who was behind the words. Church, have you missed the message? The, the message is what the folks were here in the story were focusing on. The real message was, is Jesus. Everything Broadway does here, it comes back to this one man, the man behind the message. It's Jesus. Every single ministry. If it doesn't, we shouldn't be doing it. The message of Broadway Baptists and what you and I do, and the message even of the Gideons, is it's Jesus. This is, he's the one that shows up and he speaks and the demons have to obey. Yet the folks are impressed with how a smooth talker he is and how he has authority and power. 
In verse 37, news about him began to spread to every place in the vicinity. So words getting out about who Jesus is. What's powerful about this is we see here how Jesus meets a demon and he delivers the man. I want to reference something else in Luke. Keep your finger here in Luke chapter 4. Flip over here and look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. Because what we see here is throughout the book of Luke, and we're going to be going over this, this is our Sunday night series, we're going to be going through this book, and I want to to encourage you to attend every Sunday night the rest of this year so you know the entire book of Luke. And we will go, I mean, you should walk away in 2018 saying, I've learned the book of Luke. I've heard it over and over and over again. That's good. You need to. We need to know this gospel here. Um, Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. This is why deliverance ministry is such a priority, because here's what happens. If, if someone is set free, say uh, they're set free of their demon or their problem. Say this is the problem also with secular counseling. Say you're struggling with a sin. Or say you're having marital problems. And... Um, you're thinking about getting divorced, so you go find, a, you open up your phone book, if folks use phone books anymore, and you find a, a licensed marital counselor, and you call them up, and it's just a secular person, and you go see them, and they give you some practical steps to help your marriage. Nothing religious, nothing based on the Bible, practical steps, and you implement those, and lo and behold, they work, because it's just common sense stuff, and that your, your marriage improves. Do you know what happens? Now you have people, a husband and wife, who now think, you know, I received some good self-help from my counselor, and it was great value. Now these, this couple here that received counseling, they're not saved people. They're just regular folks, good country Kentuckians. They love their nation, but they don't love God. They don't go to church. You have now good people going to hell. And they're fooling everybody. Because they went to a counselor. Now listen, follow me on this. They went to a counselor. Their marriage got saved. And now they're, they're still lost. Spiritually, they're dead. Now it's just a husband and wife dying without Christ together. Do you see, if Jesus, when, when, when someone receives help, If there's no gospel, if Jesus isn't in there, they are not complete. And he's going to teach us this. Look at what happens here. Luke chapter 11, verse 24. When an unclean spirit, that's an evil spirit, that's a demonic spirit, comes out of a person, it roams through the waterless places looking for rest. And not finding rest, it then says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. Returning... It finds the house swept and put in order. It then goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. And I want to tie this back in with the folks who receive marriage counseling. And here's why, what's in many ways, they're worse off. Because what happens? You had a couple... They were struggling in their marriage, and they needed help. But instead of turning to the Lord, 
or to a Christian counselor or to the Bible, they turned to secular counseling. And they received some practical help they needed. And they think, well, this worked. There's a great testimony to just self-help and secular counseling. Practical stuff. So, stuff you would see like on The View or on, on the daytime talk shows. Just basic common sense or supposedly common sense. That person then becomes more of a believer in secularism than they were when their, before their marriage was falling apart. So now that person, because this has supposedly helped their marriage, will have no interest in the Bible and in Christianity, in Jesus, because they received their help from something else. What Jesus is trying to say, and me trying to illustrate this, is Jesus actually saying, when people receive help, when, an, a, when someone's delivered from the demonic, only Jesus could come in and complete them. Because if He doesn't, what will happen is they will find their hope on something else wrong. Meaning, if Jesus doesn't come in and make them whole, they're actually worse off than when they began then you just have secular counseling is basically happy people going to hell with a smile on their face. And it's sad. I think we are surrounded by folks like this. This is a lie from the devil. We believe, we have, or, and when I say we, the American culture has bought into happiness is getting married, uh, Raising a family, saving for retirement, just retiring, having traveled, just doing whatever. Just having a happy life. And, and that's not it, what the Bible's saying. And what happens is, as folks age, as they get older and older, as long as they can make it through each of those steps without Jesus Christ, they will become harder and harder and harder to reach with the Gospel. And that's why only Jesus Christ can complete them. All right, go back here in your Bible. Flip back a couple pages. Back we're in Luke chapter 4. So what we learn from this, demon possession is possible. Jesus showed up at church and it was occurring. Only demon, uh, demonic people can be found anywhere, including a church, including a church like Broadway. Anywhere you go, someone who's under demonic influence can be found. But not only that, we know that only Jesus can complete someone. Just because Jesus, just because someone receives help doesn't receive, they mean... They've received the right help. Now, here's part two of this. This is the second section here. And we're also going to see the demonic occur. Look at verse 38. Luke 4, 38. So now Jesus is going. Uh, he's leaving the church. He's going. Uh, he's in a city called Capernaum, there on the, uh, near Galilee. After he left the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. This is Peter. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. So she was sick, and they asked him about her. So he shows up at someone's home. Now, I think what's powerful about this is ministry. This is what, you know, we do a lot of things here at our church campus. We do a, a lot of our ministry is what we call the come and see model. We're on a busy road. You just pull right here on Pasadena. Come on in. It's the come and see model to our church. People driving by right now. Pews should be packed. Come and hear the gospel. And that's what he did in the first section we just read here. You want to hear Jesus? He's preaching at the synagogue. But Jesus leaves the synagogue, and now he's at someone's home. This is what we call ministry outside the walls. Jesus doesn't do, doesn't, does do his, synagogue, or his ministry there at the synagogue or at church. He goes outside the church. He's now in someone's home, and he meets somebody who's sick. 
This is Peter's mother-in-law, and she's suffering from a high fever. Back then, they didn't have medicine like they do now. Their penicillin didn't exist, so, I mean, it, it can be deadly. It can be awful. She's, something is wrong. So what happens in verse 30? So he stood over her and rebuked the fever. He's speaking to the fever. Now, it does not say that the fever is uh, from uh, the devil. Well, now, we do know there are examples in Scripture. If you remember the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, Jesus actually said, this woman has been under the influence of the devil. That's what's kept her sick. And Jesus healed her. Some illnesses in Scripture are from demonic influences, but this one here does not say that. It says, he spoke to the fever. doesn't say it was because of an evil spirit. But what we see here is, Jesus not only does he have authority over the demonic, he even has authority over diseases. So he speaks to the fever, and what happens here? He, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And what does she do? She got up immediately and began to serve them. So she went from someone who was sick to someone who was serving. All of a sudden, she realized, you know, God healed me. I'm going to serve Him. Now, there's a message in that. Have you been healed and been touched by the Lord? Now, are you serving Him because of that? If you were sick, if you were struggling at one point, and the Lord delivered you, or He healed you, are you healed to go make money, at work, go, make, go to your job and make a lot of money? Or are you saying, Lord, I'm not just going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to start living for You. You healed me. You brought me through this for the very purpose so I could serve You. Jesus Christ wants all of us to be like Simon Peter's mother-in-law. We're ready to serve the Lord. And she immediately, she didn't have to ask. She didn't have to go to the nominating committee. She didn't have to say, well, what do I do? She, I need to make a point my pastor and find some job. She starts serving. I'm ready to go work. I'm ready to give my time to, to the Lord. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, all those who had become sick with various diseases brought them to Him. As He laid His hands on them, each one of them, He healed them. Now look at this verse 41. Also demons were coming out of many. Now, I think this is important here. Because, understand, most people who were coming to Jesus thought they were just sick. They thought the reason I'm coming to the Lord is I'm sick. But while we're healing sick people, these demons are popping out. Could it be some of our sicknesses actually could have be ultimately resort, a result of a demonic influence? Yes, that certainly can. And uh, we aren't gonna, um, we're not going to turn there, but if you do, in fact, go ahead, let's look at Luke chapter 13. Flip over, it's in the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 13, verse 11 and 16. <clears throat> Actually, I'll start here in, um, in verse 10. This is the example. This is, this is how we know that it's a possibility that some of our sicknesses could be influenced by the demonic. Since we're studying the book of Luke, verse 10, Luke 10, 13, or 13, 10. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who had been disabled by spirit for over 18 years. 
disabled by a spirit. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, He called out to her, Woman, you are set free from your disability. He just spoke to her. Jesus recognized it was deeper than just she was crippled. She was disabled by the Spirit, meaning Satan had bound her. Says her, Then He laid His hands on her, and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. She gave Him praise. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus is healed on the Sabbath, responded by telling the crowd, Aren't there six days when work should be done? Therefore come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrites, doesn't each of you untie his ox or donkey from the feeding trough on the Sabbath and lead it to water? Now look at this, verse 16. Satan has bound this woman. And a daughter of Abraham, for 18 years, shouldn't she be untied from this bondage on the Sabbath day? I think what we see in this passage here in Luke, and what the Gospel of Luke's trying to tell us, and our message tonight is, the Lord might be, what we see on the outside, we might see sickness, or we might see trouble, but there could be, and likely could be something even deeper. Jesus recognized that even in sickness, even in a church service, there is demonic activity, and that Satan bounds people. Deliverance ministry is Jesus Christ can deliver anyone who's being bound by the devil. If you've given a foothold into, the, allow the devil to have a foothold in your life, Jesus Christ can set you free. We see it time and time again throughout the book of Luke. Flip back here, we're still in Luke chapter 4 since we're going through this gospel. Look what it says here. So here this, he's out here healing these folks in Capernaum. They're coming to him, they're bringing these folks, and they're, they think they're just sick, and these demons start popping out. Saying it's not just sickness, it's also demonic. And I think what the Lord wants us to know to this tonight is we have to be able to look through things through spiritual lenses. Saying, God, could there be something more than what I'm seeing? Listen, some of you, if you are habitually sick, Year after year after year after year. Could it be Broadway? Remember, this one woman here was bound for 18 years. And Jesus says, no, the, look at this. This daughter of Abraham, the devil has bound her. Brother, yes, I'm going to set her free. If you're struggling with habitual sickness, ask the Lord, say, Lord, ask some folks to pray over you, say, Call it out say, Lord, if, you've, if this has been a, an unclean spirit, a demonic spirit that has bound me, Lord, set me free. Remove these strongholds, demonic strongholds that have come into my life. Lord, purify my mind. Lord, I'm giving it all. Jesus offers and provides deliverance ministry. And He's doing this out on the streets, He's doing it at Peter's house. He's doing it to anybody who comes. They thought they're bringing sick, sick people. They just weren't sick people. They were demon-possessed people. And Jesus still set them free. Last, turns, last few things we see here. Going back to Luke chapter 4. After he heals these people in verse 41, 
Also, demons were coming out of many, shouting. <laughs> Every time a demon comes out, they have to declare who Jesus is. They're coming out and they're shouting and saying, You are the Son of God. They always identify Him. They know who just set them free. But He rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew He was the Christ. Listen, what's crazy about it is the people didn't know He was the Christ, but the demons certainly did. Listen, if the demons know who Jesus is, surely you need to know. If there's one thing you need to know, you know who the Son of God is and the power He has. But the folks here were missing it. So there, uh, and there, again, the reason why Jesus had to quiet him down is because Jesus would get crucified very quickly. So he still had three years of ministry. We're at the beginning here of Luke, uh, uh, Gospel of Luke. Verse 42, when it, was, when it was day, he went on and made his way to a deserted place. But the crowds were searching for him. You know what he's doing in a deserted place? He's praying. He's spending time with his Father. He's getting alone with God. The people here, they're still searching for him. They came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. They're trying to hold on to Jesus. But he breaks away. And he says to them, but he says to them, It is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. Jesus knew what his purpose was. He was going to meet anyone he can from town to town and proclaim Jesus Christ. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus' ministry, we see here, the last part of Luke chapter 4, he's going into a synagogue, he's doing deliverance ministry there. A man who is demon-possessed, he goes out in, in a Simon Peter's home, his mother's home, he heals people in his home, he goes out in the street. Our, your ministry, the ministry of Broadway Baptist Church, it should not be conf- confined to our 3.3 acre campus right here on the corner it goes out we leave and go among the people we go in people's homes the gospel ministry isn't contained so what do we see here in conclusion our takeaways what we learned tonight we know here that jesus heals for sickness and he heals for service that's what occurs here these folks who got healed began to serve Peter's mother-in-law, she stood up and served. If you have experienced that, a healing from Jesus, a touch from the Lord, he's expecting your next step, you should be serving the Lord. Not only that, in any type of deliverance ministry that he offers, Jesus provides, and he does this, Jesus cures, and then he's confessed. He cures people, but he doesn't, that's very important, he doesn't just want to cure them, they also confess. They acknowledge this guy's the Messiah. That's why that story back in Luke chapter 11, when if you just set someone free, a demon just roams around, and then they'll come back stronger in that person's life. If that person isn't filled and made complete with Christ, you've missed your opportunity. And what we also see here is that Jesus' ministry was what we call a go-and-tell ministry. And this applies to us. This is what it means to be lived, lived, sent. Jesus wasn't just come and see me. I'm only going to be here in the synagogues preaching. I'm going to go amongst the folks and I'm going to tell them. Now tonight, we're about to have our invitation. If you're struggling with something, whether it be an infirmity, habitual sin, or maybe you've allowed a foothold, the devil to have a foothold into your life, Jesus delivers people from the demonic. We have to remove from our mind, when we use the word the demonic, 
remove from your mind a little red-headed devil with a pitchfork, with little horns. That is, not, that is the picture that the devil wants you to have. Do you know who the devil was? He's a fallen angel. He looked good. He was very, very persuasive. He was able to persuade one-third of the other angels to follow him. You know when the Antichrist comes, in Revelation chapter 7, or Revelation chapter 13, he's going to be very good look. I mean, he's going to be impressive. This guy will be able to deceive people. One of the things, a characteristics of the devil is deception. And we're deceived thinking that the devil is a little a goat or some little a demon boy who's carrying around pitchfork. The devil is any sin, any stronghold. You've allowed the demonic to come into your life. And it hinders your relationship with the Lord. And Jesus is commanding us that we must announce what it is and say, this should not be in my life. It's demonic and I'm getting rid of it. If that is you tonight, that's a commitment you need to make to the Lord. He's expecting you to make it. That's what happened. Jesus showed up at church and he met a demon-possessed man. Listen, if it exists 2,000 years ago, it can ex certainly exist today. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray tonight, if there's anybody here that is struggling with the demonic into their life, if they're struggling with sin that has allowed a foothold, Lord, we have to announce what it is. It's wrong. It's sinful. It's of the devil. It's not of you. Lord, deliver us and set us free. Lord, don't let us shy away from anything that we might think would be known as deliverance ministry because that's what you did all throughout the Gospel of Luke. We see this. Lord, remove temptation. Deliver us from sin. Lord, make us complete so when the attacker comes back, it doesn't bring back seven demons as you shared in Luke chapter 11, how we just can't clean a house. You have to fill it with yourself, Lord, you. Otherwise, we'll be worse off than at the beginning. Lord, tonight, if there's anybody here that needs to respond to you, I pray they certainly do so. They have the boldness and courage. Or, Lord, they just need to get alone with you and say, Lord, I have, I have habitual sins, demonic sins. I need you to set me free. Lord, we give you this invitation this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gene King's going to lead us in our song. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing a hymn. As always, I'll be standing out front waiting for you to respond. Gene? Hymn number 470. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him I could do nothing, without him I truly fail, without him I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Do not turn him away. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus.
Thank you, Gene. Uh, these next couple of days, tomorrow, you'll be praying for Sherry Island. Tomorrow we leave very early. We head to Pelham, Alabama. We have to be there. My grandmother's funeral's at 3 o'clock. That's central time, so we'll be headed down 400-something miles down I-65, straight shot. And then we will wake up on Thursday morning, or Tuesday morning. <laughs> that would be three days of sleep. We'll wake up on Tuesday morning and drive straight to the Louisville airport to meet Ben Biddle, hopefully there by 3, 4 o'clock. Lose an hour because we have to go back to Central Time there, and hopefully hope on hop on an airplane. I'll hop on a plane with Ben Biddle and the KBC Mission Team there, the Vision Team, and we'll be going to Brazil. So um, and uh, be flying down there, and we'll be back. We'll be arriving the following Tuesday, that Tuesday morning there in Louisville. So be praying for Ben and I's trip, Sherry and I's trip, zigzagging to, to across the southeast up I sixty five. So it'll be a. Uh, uh, Especially Ben and I, we'll be uh, sharing the gospel, giving out gospel tracts, doing some great ministry there, and learning about what the IMB and meeting and encouraging other uh, missionaries as well as we'll be meeting. So that's our, those are some of the things that will be going on here. Next Sunday night, Zach Bauer will be preaching. So it'll be an exciting time to hear Zach be sharing the gospel and certainly be preaching a Sunday evening service. So, Gene, we'll close this in song. All right. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer, Gene, right? We're going to ask uh, God to be with Sherry and the pastor is there on the way and, and all the activities of this week. So would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we've had to come into your house and to study your word and to worship you. And now be with my pastor and, and his family as they travel the highways, Lord, as they comfort him in the loss of his grandmother. Be with them as they proceed on to Brazil, Lord, and you just be with them and guide them and minister with them. Be with us, Lord, as we go through this week. Give us an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to, uh, to someone else that they may come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we fail you. Dismiss us now with your love and grace. For it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.